Hey everyone, welcome back to the Eagle Community Church of Christ podcast. My name is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister at our church. We just want to thank you for listening in each and every week. And we also want to encourage you just to share this with a friend or someone who may need it as as we put these lessons together. We, we just hope and pray that uh, these are things that, that touch your heart and touch your soul and ultimately bring you closer to God. This week I am off again and uh, so thankful for Jordan Santos, our youth minister, for filling in for me. Jordan talks about the parable of the sower or the soils. This is one of my favorites. So uh, I'll just let Jordan take over from here. Again, we thank you for listening and just come see us sometime. We'd love to see you in person. Uh, you can see us at the BSB building there in Mont Bellevue. Check us out online, eaglechurchofchrist.com. Have a great week. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. I had a really good time. Um, it's a good day to be thankful every day, obviously. Uh, but Thanksgiving is a good reminder. Uh, Paul was on theme. We sang about pilgrims. And I always giggle every time I have to sing my own name in church, so that's fun. Um, but I had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, with Abby's work schedule, she either has to work Thanksgiving or Christmas, and she's working Christmas this year, so that means we got to go see family for Thanksgiving. And the way we did it all through college, and we've continued as a married couple, is we'll go to her um, family for lunch, and then we'll leave in the middle of lunch, go to my family for dinner, um, which is like a two and a half hour drive, not that big a deal. Um, I mean, when you're used to it, you're used to it. Um, I drive like half an hour at least to get to here. So, you know, it's just what it is. Um, and I was kind of reminded of how much I miss my family, her family, every time we go see them, right? Because, you know, you move away, you do your own thing, you just kind of get into the groove of it. And then when you go, get to go see your family, like, oh, I miss this, right? And um, for her family, it's at her and uncle's house. And then my family, we eat at my uh, grandma and grandpa's house. And amen. Um, and so my grandma is a super sweet lady and she may watch this later on. So sorry, I'm about to tell the story, but, um, so she is very sweet and she wanted us all to play a game together for Abby's laughing already. She wanted us all to play a game together for Thanksgiving. And she had an idea. She wanted to give us money because that's what grandmas do. They love to give money and she wanted to turn it into a game. And she like, Oh, uh, there is this game on the iPhone that uh, uh, I'll play sometimes, and I would love to turn that into a way to give out money. Well, if you've ever heard of Cup Pong, you know that it is not just a game that you play on your phone. It is a drinking game. And my grandma had no idea. <laughs> she had no idea. And so she said, oh, let me go get the solo cups. And she would write an amount of money on the cup and we'd have to hit the ping pong ball into it. And uh, we were all laughing. She had no idea why. Because um, my sweet little grandma, she wouldn't have done it otherwise, obviously. Um, uh, long story short, I ended up winning $11. Uh, Abby got six, so we, right, six? We netted 17, so good for us, right? My younger sister's boyfriend was there. And, you know, as the older brother, I got to give him a hard time. But he showed up, and he got $22. <laughs> That's negative points in my book. You can't come to my family and beat me at this game that doesn't mean anything, right? So anyway, so that was our Thanksgiving. It was a good time. It's good to see family. I hope you all enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Had a lot of good food.
Um, today, we are going to continue talking about parables. And we've done this for a few weeks now. Hopefully, you're in the groove of it. John's given you a break off from the mirror the past two weeks. Um, I think he forgot last week, but I'm not going to forget this week. So be ready for that. Um, so we're continuing our talk about parables. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed studying some of these. I've enjoyed getting to talk to you guys about it. And hopefully you're starting to see the themes that we kind of emphasize every other week. And uh, it really gets to the, um, the subheading of this little series we're going on, uh, Let Them Hear, because a lot of these stories are things that we've heard our whole life. We've grown up learning uh, uh, these things in Bible class, right? But sometimes uh, whenever we come to the Bible, it's easy for us to whatever it's trying to say for us, whatever it says about us, we're, it's easy for us to tune it out, right? We don't want to hear how we're not doing the things that we should. We don't want to hear how we've made mistakes. It's really easy for us to say, oh man, that person has been making mistakes. They need to hear this, right? But hopefully um, today and throughout this whole time, you've been able to say, okay, what? how can I hear what Jesus is trying to say to me, right? Uh, today will be no different. Uh, we're going to uh, focus on the parable of the sower. Another good one. Um, and if you've, uh, you may recognize this, but we've kind of mentioned the parable of the sower, sower almost every single week because uh, we've mentioned uh, why Jesus uses parables. And Jesus explains that in this passage, right? He, he uses parables not to make uh, complicated things easy, right? Which is a lot of times our thought process whenever we come to a parable. It's like, oh, Jesus is trying to make it really simple for all of us. Yes and no, right? It's not just that uh, complicated things become easy, but it's that if you want to understand, you can, and if you don't want to understand, you don't. And that's kind of proven its point when Jesus is talking to different groups of people. Uh, a crowd maybe wants to hear, or maybe the Pharisee doesn't want to hear. Maybe they just want to test Jesus, right? And so Jesus uses these parables uh, for that reason. We're going to read through it again, uh, I'm not going to give that same spiel, but just remember we've talked about that, right? So let's go through this together. Matthew 13, verses 1 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Uh, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. While all the people stood on the shore, uh, while the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things and parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. Uh, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky plains uh, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But uh, when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil where it produced a, produced a crop. 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have, has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. 
They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom uh, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, uh, what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So uh, that's all I have for today, since Jesus explained it pretty well. So follow me. And you would think that, you know, we can end it right there. Plain and simple, God told us what it meant, right? Um, but the struggle is not uh, understanding it. The struggle is what we do with the understanding that's been given to us. Um, the past few weeks, John has mentioned a phrase, divine reversal, right? And it's where uh, whatever your expectations were for the situation, um, God will flip it on his head. Jesus will flip it on his head to uh, make a point, right? We saw that with the Good Samaritan, right? We saw that with um, basically all the parables we've talked about so far. Whatever the expectation was, uh, God flipped it upside down. And it's kind of the same here, right? With Jesus, um, the prophecy of Jesus, the Savior of, uh, of the world, of the Jews, basically, right? Uh, the people listening would have expected, and we talked about this a few times, they would have expected a military leader, someone who was going to overthrow the Roman government. And so when Jesus talks about um, spreading his kingdom as casually tossing seeds off the side of the road on the ground, that's very different than the victory that a lot of these people would, ex would have expected, right? And so even in this moment, Jesus is saying, um, the way I do things is not the way you would do things. My way still works, right? So it has this divine reversal. And that's kind of a reflection of Jesus' entire ministry up to this point. Here I have a little diagram. Um, this is a, a list of examples of some of the seeds that Jesus has tossed out through his ministry, right? So uh, the seed on the path. Because uh, when Jesus is saying these things, you know he has a reference in mind, like, oh, these people, this situation, right? And so the seed on the path, Luke 4, it's a story about where uh, Jesus is talking to these people, and then they get so upset with him that they drive him out of town. They chase him away. They get so angry um, because they don't like what he's saying, right? And so uh, just like uh, something on the path that the crow comes and pick, picks up, it was rejected by the people there. We talk about uh, seed cast onto the rocks. Uh, in Jesus' ministry, uh, this is something we've talked about before, the Pharisee that invited Jesus over. Uh, and then the woman came and uh, was washing Jesus' feet, and the Pharisee didn't like that very much. You remember that? And so uh, 
the Pharisee invited him over because he was ready to learn, but then his own uh, pre prejudices and judgments of the woman uh, made it to where his roots couldn't get very deep, and he ended up uh, not liking uh, uh, what Jesus had to say, right? So an uh, internal factor affected uh, his willingness to hear Jesus's message. And then seed cast onto the thorns in Luke 18, uh, the story of the rich young ruler that John talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, someone who had uh, known the message of the scripture. He, know, he knew uh, everything up to this point. He'd follow all the commands. But when Jesus presented him with, okay, all you need to do now is give away uh, what you have to the poor, and he couldn't do it, right? His greed, an external factor, his wealth, uh, stopped him from being able to uh, fully uh, sprout up into the plant that Jesus called for him to be. And so the thorns of the wealth had choked him out, right? And so we have um, internal factor, external factor, and then examples of seed of the good soil. Obviously, that's us, right? Because we, we have it all down. We know what we're doing. Uh, we're the good soil. We're the good example, right? And in some cases, that may be true, but a lot of times uh, when we come to Scriptures like this, that's what we assume. We assume we have it right, and then the other people out there in the world, they don't have it figured out yet, right? They must be this seed. They must be that seed. And so like I said earlier, the struggle with the parable is not what it means. Jesus lays it out. Um, the struggle instead is what we do with it. A lot of times we immediately read this and start putting other people into these boxes, right? Oh, so-and-so, you know, they... Uh, they're not hearing this. They're not receiving what I'm telling to them. They must be uh, the path. They must be the seed that was scattered on the path. Uh, the devil's just taking a hold of them and uh, nothing I can do about it, right? Or so-and-so showed interest in learning more. Maybe they came to church a couple times, but then they kind of faded away. They must be the seed uh, that was scattered on the rocky ground, right? Obviously, uh, God helped them. You know what I mean? Um, or... Um, so-and-so, that person, keeps struggling with the same sins. They can't get over that one hump. It seems like they love God, but they keep not loving God because they keep turning to the same sin over and over and over again. They must be uh, the seed that was scattered onto the thorny ground, right? But obviously, I grew out of the good soil, so I'm going to you know, high-five myself for that. The recurring theme for this series that we've talked about is um, everyone is kind of on the same plane, right? Um, we've been attacking that judgment part of it, though, right? Um, everyone's on the same plane, so don't compare yourself to others. The bulletin had a, I forgot it, the bulletin had a good little quote. It said, uh, be so busy improving yourself that you have no time to criticize others. Uh, we are all equal, so don't compare yourself to others, right? There's a, this is hard, especially when it comes to a passage like this, because we feel the calling of being a sower as well. We feel that God has worked on me, God has brought me to this point, and so I want to share with other people. And that is the right thing to do, right? I'm not telling you not to be a sower, but sometimes if we get so caught up in the type of sower that I'm going to be, sometimes we 
neglect the growing that we still need to do, right? And if we neglect the growing that we still need to do, maybe our roots don't get as deep as they need to. Maybe we wither up. Maybe we face these other challenges, right? Um, Every week has kind of been summed up in an equalizing statement. Week one, we all have talents. John talked about the parable of the talents. Uh, Week two, we all face the storm. We talked about the wise and foolish builders, right? Um, We all have debt when we talked about uh, the parable of unequal debts. We are all welcome home, the story of the prodigal son who ended up coming back, right? Uh, We are all paid the same when we talked about the vineyard workers. We're all invited to the banquet when John talked about the wedding banquet where uh, some people rejected and they ended up inviting everybody. Uh, We all need humility. Last week, John talked about um, the Pharisee who was saying, who was praying to God saying, thank goodness I'm not this tax collector over here. Or we talked about the rich man who cast judgment onto uh, Lazarus, who, who was the poor person out on the gate. And then there was the divine reversal of that end, right? All these equalizing statements. And then today, our equalizing statement is, um, we all receive the seed. I think I have it, yeah. We all need seed. There you go. A little rhyming there for you. We all, we all need seed. Um, I think sometimes we think that, you know, I have, I have done all the growing. I was the good soil. I've sprung up, and I'm ready to start going out there. Um, and I would say that you, we should all be going out there, right? But again, we cannot neglect the growing that we still need to do. I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to uh, a time when I was a kid. I did this thing called Bible Bowl. Did y'all have Bible Bowl here? Um, I loved Bible Bowl because I was good at it, right? Um, I remember I did it fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. And my very first Bible Bible Bowl competition, we went to San Angelo, Texas, and uh, I got like the highest score there, uh, and I got a little trophy, and I was so excited about it, and I thought, man, I was hot stuff, you know what I mean? Um, and then I uh, I kept going to Bible Bowl, I kept learning and learning, which are all good things, right? We should we should be deeper into the Word and studying this stuff, right? Um, but I don't think any of you would say that I was uh, completely knowledgeable in all that God had to offer, right? Um, and so I wasn't done growing, even though I felt like, man, I had achieved this. I got all these questions right at Bible Bowl. You know what I mean? Um, but I had this pride um, that kind of came from doing good things, right? But that pride caused me to kind of maybe judge some of the other kids that didn't get all the questions right, which it's so dumb because it's just like school, but Bible, you know what I mean? Kids who struggle in regular school may struggle with Bible Bowl, right? But I had this pride of, you know, man, I'm the smartest kid at Bible Bowl. All these other kids are dumb and they don't know God like I do, right? Uh, which is so silly. And that's such a fourth grader thing to do, right? Um, but I think that even as adults, sometimes we feel that way. The idea of, you know, I have worked hard. I have been um, studying uh, my Bible. I've been connecting with God my whole life. And then there are those other people, right? 
maybe those other people are new Christians, or maybe those other people who are Christians that have uh, struggled with a sin and they've maybe turned away, or maybe those are people that have uh, phased in and out of church, and we have those judgments on these other people that aren't us, and we think, man, they must be the rocky soil, or they must be the thorny soil, but I'm the good soil, obviously, right? And when we focus on that, a lot of times uh, that pride can overtake us. And it, again, reminds me of the rich young ruler who had done good things. Jesus even acknowledged that he had done all these good things his whole life. But when his pride uh, of money got in the way, everything else kind of crumbled apart, right? And I think sometimes that comes from us feeling like we know God's timing a little better than him. Sometimes we think that um, I have it down packed, but they don't have it down packed yet, but they're kind of running out of time. They need to get it together. Or maybe it's too late for them. They've made too many mistakes, right? Um, and sometimes we, we put ourselves in this position of uh, whatever timing I think is appropriate is we sometimes we feel like God's going to judge them the same way, which obviously we don't we don't have any sort of understanding of God's timing or how He judges others, right? But uh, when we get so focused on the pride of the things that we've done, sometimes we put ourselves in that position, whether consciously or unconsciously, right? Um, when we're quick to put somebody in that category of uh, they are a rocky ground, they are uh, thorny ground, they are the path, sometimes we think that that's what they're going to be forever, right? That's their only chance, and they've messed it up too bad for them. But I think back to examples from Jesus' ministry again. Uh, we think about the Roman centurion who had lived a life dedicated to the Roman army. He commanded men, he worshiped other gods, but then uh, he came to Jesus when his daughter was dead, right? And there were a lot of people who would have thought, you know, it's too late for that guy. He's lived a life so far that is not associated with our God whatsoever. But Jesus didn't hold that against him, right? Or I think to um, Levi, who was one of Jesus' disciples, he lived his whole life as a tax collector. Same thing with Zacchaeus, same thing with all these other tax collectors that Jesus spent time with. Uh, a lot of good Hebrews would have thought that you know, it's too late for these people. They're covered in this sin. They've done all these things. Uh, they, had, they had their chance, but their time is up, right? But God's timing is so much better than that, right? God didn't hold that against them. Jesus didn't hold that against them. You think to the woman caught in adultery where uh, these men threw her in front of Jesus. They surrounded her and they had rocks and they were ready to go to town, right? They were ready to, um, on Jesus' word, stone her, which was the right thing according to the law at the time. They would have thought, you know, it's too late for her. She's done all these mistakes. We caught her in the middle of a mistake. Um, she had her chance, but she's done with. But thank goodness that Jesus doesn't go by our timing, right? And I think that that's something that should be really encouraging to all of us because I know that we think that we're the good soil and we've made good decisions and we've grown up and we know all the things, that there are going to be a lot of times where we don't do that, where we don't do what we're supposed to, where we don't know what we're doing, where we don't uh, fill whatever path that God has for us. 
And thank goodness that it's not too late for us either. Jesus quotes um, Isaiah in this uh, passage. I'll go ahead and read it again uh, when he's explaining why. Yeah, when he's explaining why he's speaking to them in parables. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. They do not hear or understand. Uh, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. He quotes this not because the people are doomed. That sounds really gloomy, like, man, these people are not going to turn out very good for them. They keep making these these mistakes. Um, And he doesn't quote this as a condemnation of the people that need uh, a little more help, right? It's not uh, all doom and gloom, but rather um, it's a statement that even when things are doom and gloom, that God is still at work with these people, right? Even though um, you may be on the path and maybe you're not understanding what God is trying to say to you, or maybe uh, you're struggling with the sin that's keeping you from feeling fully connected with God, or maybe that there is uh, something in your life that you're not ready to let go of, that's not your only chance. God doesn't say, "Ah, I tried one time, I'm good to go. They didn't take it. No big deal. I'm going to focus on the people in the good soil. No. He's constantly throwing out seed. And as we've talked about in weeks past with the story of the vineyard workers, there's always work to be done. There's always more crops. There's always more. There's always more. There's always more. I think if we worship the God who did not give second chances like this, I can't imagine how different our church would be, right? If we were all one and done, and then we were, if we didn't make it, we had to go, who would still be here, right? Even when, um, even when the seeds don't take hold, God's still at work. So what can we learn from this? We may not be the soil that we think. And again, um, I'm not saying that you have to be any sort of great Christian to share your faith with other people. That's not it, right? But sometimes if we feel like we have it all figured out, we get too comfortable and we let that pride um, stop us from the growth that we still need to be doing, right? And so whatever seed that you think you are, we should constantly still be reevaluating ourselves and challenging ourselves and growing so that we can still then be a better sower to other people. Another thing I would like for us to learn from this, the way we sow can't be for show. Another rhyme for you guys. Um, the way we sow can't be for show. I think to 
uh, the story of the Pharisee who said, thank goodness I am not like this tax collector, right? And I don't think any of you would come up here and say something like that. But a lot of times our actions are kind of impacted by, man, I'm so glad uh, I'm in a position to help that person because they really need it. You know what I mean? And so um, not that we should not be sowing the seed. We're going to sing a song about it after this. Not that we shouldn't be spreading the gospel, but um, we have to recognize that we are not doing that through any sort of power or pride of our own, but rather through the loving grace of Jesus Christ who gives us all the second chances that we, we don't deserve, right? The way we sow can't be for show. And then God's produce is powerful. I think that this kind of comes from the statement that, um, you know, we casted the seed onto the rocky ground and nothing happened, right? And so that must be it. But if we relied totally on our own understanding for salvation and we relied on our own understanding for fairness and what is right, um, I don't think any work would get done with this church. But God's mercy is so much powerful than we understand. God's uh, love and justice is so much more powerful than we understand. And so I would encourage us all to let that guide how we sow our seed rather than uh, our own understanding. Because the crop that God is growing, aka his church, his kingdom here on earth, um, is not limited by whatever expectations we have or any understanding we have. It is so much more powerful than that. And that is not scary to me. That's so encouraging because if it was limited to me, I can't even keep a little garden going, right? And so God's produce is powerful and thank goodness that it's not my own, right? I've enjoyed talking about these parables because for so long I... Um, I thought these were just fun stories for people that uh, Jesus was talking to that really needed it. And I, I allowed myself to think that, you know, I, I got it. I don't need this. This is, this is below me. Um, but going through these studies, um, I've started to realize, and hopefully you have too, that um, we need to constantly be checking ourselves and growing ourselves um, because if we don't, we're left behind. If we don't, if we let pride take over, we're kind of we're kind of doomed. Whenever I went to college, I was obviously a Bible major, right? Uh, that's how I ended up here. And there was a period of when I first got to school that was challenging to me because the idea of, and I'd grown up in church this whole time. I was a Bible major. Uh, I was. Uh, I was working at these churches, right? I had this idea of, you know, I know a lot. I got a lot of it figured out. And these other kids at school, this random business major, you know, luckily they're friends with me so I can, I can give them some guidance, right? And um, even though I felt really devoted to God and I was really working hard to um, be the best future minister that I could be, I was neglecting some of the growing that I still needed to do because I was casting judgment on other people. 
And we talk about this stuff in church because it's not simple. It's something that you will continue to struggle with each and every day of your life. Um, And I think that whenever we accept that this is a challenge that we have, that's the only way that we're going to be able to allow God to um, kind of steer us in the right direction. I want to talk about this real quick as we close. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So I'm going to grab this right here. Today we have talked about um, a lot of growth, right? We've been talking about seeds. And if we come to Scripture and we look at it, you know, no, right at you, Kayla? There you go. Okay, you have to share it. There you go. When we come to Scripture, if we look right into Scripture and we avoid making eye contact with ourselves because it's awkward. We're going to walk away and that scripture would have done nothing to us, right? There's no growth when we avoid what's right there, right? And luckily with this scripture, Jesus tells us what's right there. And I think that when, you come, when we come to the scripture this morning, hopefully you can look at this mirror and say, no matter what uh, sowing I'm doing, I'm still growing, right? No matter what sowing I'm doing, I'm still growing. Even if you've spent 80 years going to what used to be Lakewood Church Christ, I don't know how long it's been here, maybe not 80 years, but if you spent 80 years going to church or 60 years, 50 years, 20 years, whatever that may be. And you think, you know what? I'm good to go. I'm ready to share my knowledge with everybody else. Uh, You should do that. You should be sharing your knowledge. But do that without neglecting this. Do it without avoiding this. Because I promise that God is a better teacher than you are. And I promise that he always has something to say. And so I challenge you to not be afraid when you come to scripture to look at this. I challenge you to not be afraid to seek this out. There's a difference between when it comes to me being okay with it and and there's a difference between that and seeking this out to try and find what God is saying to you. And so seek this out. Don't ever avoid the growth that God has in store for you because I promise you're not done. I promise I'm not done. Um, And even when God comes home, 
we might still not be done. And that's okay. Because we have someone who loves us very much, who died for us to fill that gap. And so, if you feel the need to ask for prayers because you, you're challenged uh, with judging others, you're challenged with growing uh, within yourself, or if you feel like you're ready to take a step in your commitment to Jesus, if you uh, would like to be baptized, if you need prayers, if you have a praise, this is the place to do that because we are a group of little seedlings who are still trying to grow and hopefully we water each other. God has blessed this church and has blessed you and um, if you have any need, please come as we stand and sing.